Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Mission Zach's Leguizama Rama. My name is Zach Ruane. I am the co-host of this podcast and I'm coming in right now to give you two warnings. One... A spoiler warning, we give away the counsellor or what we could interpret of it. Number two is a length warning. This is a really long one, not because of any real reason other than the fact that I was feeling particularly waffly. Boy, do I waffle on, on this ep- in this episode. You'll be able to hear me waffling for about uh, an hour 40 minutes. Um, you'll notice Mish loses interest about an hour 20 in, but I... I just keep waffling. I waffle and I waffle. Um, largely about the film. So I hate the word. Good morning or evening or afternoon or whatever time you're listening to this. That's the beauty of podcasts. You're listening to Mission Zach's Leguizama Rama, a podcast where over uh, three years we realised Mish, uh, Wittrup and Zach Ruane watch every single thing starring the uh, deeply underrated character actor John Leguizamo. My name is Zach Ruane, who you may know from um, just being a rad dude and having long, beautiful hair. I'm joined as ever by my co-host uh, Michelle Wittrup, who you might know from... Uh, just realising how full-on three years is. <laughs> it just hit me just then that, that um, this is a full-on commitment. I think I, I hit a wall about uh, maybe a month ago mm. where I was like... Do you know what it was? It was when we were discussing whether we should do both episodes of um, uh, Miami Vice or, or one episode of Miami Vice. He's in two episodes of Miami Vice, as, as, as the listeners know. As the, as I like to call them, the Zach and Mishies. Zach and Mishies. So all our little Zach and Mishies out there, you'd know this, but um, he was in two Miami Vices, and we were going back and forth, and and um, I think there was an element with you, Mish, where you were like, but if we if we split it in half, it'll take a week longer. And in that moment, it just dawned on me. It's like, it doesn't matter. We have to just sit into this. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, like we've always said from the start, it's like, we can end it before three years if we want to. Like, that's not a problem. But I can't imagine at what point we'll both just go, I think that's enough. Because there's Mm. so much, there's so much. (laughs) It's, it's, and it's going to hit a point where, like, the challenge of it gets interesting, but also it's interesting, you know, it's varied enough. He's had a varied enough career. If we were watching nothing but like one genre, if we were like every erotic thriller, mm. one director even, you'd start to get a bit over it. You know what I yes. mean? But like we're talking about, I don't think there's anything that defines a John Leguizamo film other than maybe there's a bit of a, 
edge of masculinity. Every one of his movies has a bit of a like oofed to it. But but even then, you know, some of them are a little softer. He's done his. We just haven't got to them yet. Oh, they're think, coming though. I don't think anything defines a Leguizamo movie other than a good casting director. All the one thing they share. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. That's a very, very good point. Is someone that goes, we should get John Leguizamo in for this part. And the director's mm. like, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, maybe we'll do seasons. I think that's what we'll do. Before we like stop the whole thing, we might go, hey, let's take a, a couple of weeks off. <laughs> As soon as it starts to become a bit much, we'll just be like, I think that we're done. Oh, two weeks. Let's, <laughs> let's just take, let's just let's take just, a Christmas month off. break. Let's just take a Chrissy break. Let's just take a Chrissy break. Uh, before we, cause I want to do it now. I mm. like, I want, I want to, I'm here. I'm done. Mm. I'm there. I'm ready to take on all of his movies. Uh, I'm committed to the franchise opportunities. Mm. I want it to be really awkward. I want to meet him one day. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and everyone's talking about the fact that he's engaged on a couple of outposts. Um, and they're like, you should interview him. Like, that's cool. Right. Having him on to promote like a new film or something. That's cool. That's fine. That's great. I'm more interested in meeting him as some kind of peer, like, you know, we're there, like we're in the U S for something, you know, Mm. three years, who knows where our careers will be at. Mm-mm. And like, maybe I'm there, you're there, we're both there, we're separately there. And um, he's there. It's like a thing. Yeah. Just happens See, to be. It's it's a big event for me or you to be invited to, but a small thing for him to have gone, oh, I might pop in. And then I meet him and then I go, my name's Zach. He's like, cool. And I'm like, you're, and then I decide, do I tell him I'm, I'm. You do I'm, know. You do tell him. <sighs> You I do. don't know. How does that come up? You just say it. Like there's like with the love that we have for him, you just say it. Like the same way that fans come up to you, I guess, and say, hey. Yeah, and I hate every little one of them worms. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. I always say hello. <laughs> I, no, I don't. I'm joking. They know. I'm, you know I'm joking. Um, you come and say hello. Come, come, and, come and say hello to so me. So your dream is that you go to a party and he's there and you engage in a conversation and you become friends. And that's really nice. Mm. My dream is that one day we get a DM from him that's just like, hey, guys, thank you so much for, like, dedicating a good chunk of your week to my career and talking about me and my movies. Feel free to come over sometime. Feel free uh, to come. I live in a really, really, really nice house in LA. I'm um, paying for flights. I'm yeah, using- I'll pay for you to come over. Like, what's what's three grand amongst friends? <laughs> That's what he says. Like, I'm going to fly you over. And we say, look, actually, the lockdown's a little stricter in Australia than it is in the US. We're probably not allowed to come. He's like, oh, okay. And he'd be like, this That's is fair. Like that means we've got time. like a solid year to build our friendship. How are things at home? You uh, know, what's your favorite I, color? I wouldn't say I wouldn't worry about telling him that I'm I'm Zach from Mission Zach's Leguizamo Rama in like a him being mad at us because we didn't like love well some of us didn't love Arabian Nights. I'm more <laughs> <laughs> I'm more worried that he'll be like like I tell him right and he's like oh that's so fun. Where does the conversation go after that? Yeah, that's a good point. You meet someone at a party and they're like, hey, I I really love what you do. And you're like, thank you so much. You know, I'm also a performer and a writer and a 
uh, do I do live shows and I do film stuff and, and you go, oh, that's so cool. And they go, um, I did a project where I watched or listened to every single, watch, listen or read to every every single thing you've done kind of as a joke and kind of because I think you're that wonderful. Um, and then I talked about it for at least an hour every single week for the last two years. You'd go, oh, yeah, that's so That's fun. so full on. You'd go, that's such a fun idea. Um, and thank you for that. I'm aware of it from the Instagram. And you'd go, yeah. And then it'd be like. Yeah, he thinks you're a psycho. More just like, what? he'd go, okay, cool. Ha, ha, ha. And you'd go, ha, ha. But seriously, you know, it's all in fun. And he'd go, yeah, I know. And then you'd go, so what are you, what are you doing you- at the party? <laughs> And he'd go, you know, which you know why, what my next which project is. Which is why, Zach, the goal is one day to get him on the pod, at the very least to like, you know. And then he'll say that we're cool. And then he'll be like, oh, yeah. they're actually really cool. And that's when we'll get the flights to LA. <laughs> and then we and then we marry him. <laughs> <laughs> and then we both marry him. Yeah, man. That'd be sick. Um <sighs> That's great. That's so wonderful. This has been a great project and I'm loving all of his films. Is there it's anything keeping... else you want to talk about before we launch right into the... Just the... just that I had a realisation like a few days ago um, that this Leguizamo project, especially when we're doing like uh, TV series and stuff because it gives us something to watch that's quite lengthy, um, it's really saving me during this lockdown period because uh, any of you guys who are listening in the future... Uh, or in any other place but Victoria... Yes. Uh, Melbourne, Victoria is in lockdown uh, for the coronavirus. We're a little hot spot, which is fun. And so there's a lot of sitting and watching stuff. So it's really good that I have that because something happened to me two nights ago and it was a real moment and I'd like to share it with you if I could. Ah, yes. Okay, so... um So. I was like, why was I rushing to talk about the counsellor? This is much more fun. It's just something quick that I... I, I no, we'll take it I've only just now in the last 30 seconds decided that I'll discuss because I feel if I say it out loud, then it makes me accountable. Mm-hmm. A few nights ago, I had a night at home by myself in Melbourne lockdown. Can you see it? Can you picture it? Mm-hmm. I was at home by myself. It had been a long fucking day. And I had, I'd had my two hours outside already and I was stuck inside and there was nothing I could do. So I picked up my phone and I started playing some of the app games and stumbled across Candy Crush again, which was something I used to play for a little bit of fun on a commute to work sometimes. And I started playing Candy Crush. I'm like, fuck, this game is good, eh? Like, fuck, mm. Candy Crush is good. Playing it, playing it. All of a sudden, my five lives go down to four lives. Go down to three, two, one. Before I know it, I'm out of lives, Zach. I'm out of lives. No, I paid. Mish, no, 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 no. You Zach, don't have to tell. You don't have to tell the rest of this story. Zach, you don't. Are you Zach, sure you want to share this with the world, Mish? I paid fifteen dollars for like ten more lives. I wish, in my heart, that I had not just said that I was committed to these three years because I cannot. <laughs> I'm disgusting. I, I, make my, I make myself sick. But I did it right. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, now I've got 10 more lives. And then as I was playing that first of the 10 lives, I, I literally stopped and was just like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. I paid for Candy Crush. How many lives? 
Like ten. That's not enough for fifteen dollars. Yeah, no. Ten dollars. No, like, well, no, I think it was something. It was, it was fifty gold bars, and it's twelve dollars to renew your twelve dollars. Twelve bars to renew five lives. So what's that? Do some math. It's quite a few. Uh, They're five, I'm, ten. I'm just all right. So it's twenty lives. It was twenty lives. I'm just not a fan of any game where there isn't also an option to just like buy the game. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. just like hey. It's either this little bit of money to get a few more lives or that little yeah. bit of money or 25 bucks will give you the game for free. Well, they do it the, because you know. sad, dumb cunts like me just keep paying. <laughs> well, I read somewhere about Candy Crush that they were like, I think it was something like 97% of people play it and never, never spend a cent. Um, but their whole model is the 3% of people that do pay for it. That cream, the cream on top of the milk. You have crossed the threshold, though. Yep. I think you need to just sort of really check here and be like, do I want to be the person that's... Because you, you don't no, have Zach, to No, be- Zach, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person. That's why I'm telling this story, because now I can't ever do it again. It was... I was lying on my couch in, in with no... I had no pants. <laughs> This is I good. This is covered, all good. I was covered in crumbs. I was covered in crumbs mm-hmm. because I'd just eaten toast, like half a loaf of bread for dinner, just Vegemite toast, playing Candy Crush. Haven't seen my family or my friends for like 46 years. Mm. And I paid for Candy Crush. That's where I'm at. I, so Mish. thank you. So my point is, thank you, John, for giving me stuff to watch. Something else to do. Giving, just giving me something else. spend... $4.99 AU on the counselor on YouTube. Um, yes, exactly. Subscription. I, um, I, I wanted to say to you, Mish, that, um, before I like judge you too harshly, I downloaded lemmings. There's a app version of lemmings. Do you remember lemmings? No. Lemmings was a game that I used to play on the computer. It's like the bee's knees. Everyone's all about worms. Do you remember worms? No. Oh, my God. I remember Snake. I'm working with a freaking imbecile. <laughs> I remember Snake. You remember Snake? Yeah, I, love, I also downloaded a version of Snake where it, it, it makes your phone, um, the bulk of your, um, of yeah, your touchscreen phone looks like a... Um, but no, so what I did is there's... Lemmings was like in that, in that uh, uh, era of... There's a 3D version of Worms that people remember. But before the 3D Worms, there was a 2D Worms, which was kind of like a version of that tank game. Mm. Um, and uh, Lemmings is... A, it's basically the Lemmings exit a thing and they have to get into a thing and the Lemmings can build stairs or ladders and you don't want too many Lemmings to die. And it's a really fun game. It was really like pixely and fun. And I played it on my computer back in the day. Like when I was like eight, we're talking like 1995 shit here. Yeah. And they made a mobile version of it. I'm like, that's awesome. That's so nostalgic. But the mobile version, rather than being like a $2.99 to buy the game, which I would have spent, it it was an in-app purchases kind of thing. And it was the kind of one where you, it's not about how many times you've lost that Candy Crush Every time you use a thing to make a lemming get to the ending, like build a stair, it costs you a, a, a thing. Oh, God. And then so you're like by playing the game, you're spending the coins hmm. and you just run out of them. You just 100% run out of them. And then it's like and then I, I had a moment where I was playing it really hardcore because I deleted all the social media from my phone. Like I was like, I'm going to delete social media. I don't need the dopamine drug. 
only to realize that at least the dopamine drug of social media has my friends at the other side. And now I'm doing it with <laughs> lemmings. Now I'm spending my, now I'm eating, uh, now I'm eating a garlic bread for dinner and, and, and spending my time with lemmings. <laughs> and, um, and I was, I was so close. I was so close. I was like, all I'd need to do is pay for, and if there was like a, Hey, all up, you can just play without anything. Um, I would have spent the money, but what I was frustrated about was this, like, you've sent me into a trap here mm. and I got mad at them. And then I was like, no, what I'll do is I'll, this can be my way of like, uh, controlling the amount of lemmings I play that when I run out yeah. of lives, I have to turn off lemmings. Um, but I, it, it got so hard for me that I ended up deleting lemmings from my phone. I'm proud of you. But what I think I might do, having talked all of this through is I might download like the old lemmings onto my laptop. Nerds know how to get old games onto your laptop, what I, don't what they? What I am sure of, though, is that one pot pasta has now been replaced with lemmings. Oh, come on. You talked about spending $15 on Candy Crush. <laughs> don't come for me. I'm not coming for you. I'm just, I'm not coming for you at all. We all know what this podcast is about. It's just you and me waffling bullshit. But yeah. I'm just saying that it is very possible that lemmings is the new one pot pasta. Lemmings is probably the new one pot pasta with a yep. with a dash of fifteen dollars for for Candy Crush. Yeah, that's it. Mish, we often talk about the fact that we would love for a Margaret and David style uh, argument. We would love for me to come in and be like, "I loved it," and you to come in and be like, "I hated it," and we're like, "Rah rah 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 rah," mm-hmm. and then like we disagree, and it's fiery, and it's interesting, and we can we can post like we can post the Leguizamos on the Sunday, and people be like, "Whoa, I stopped listening to this like six weeks ago," but fuck, if they disagreed <laughs> that hard. They're still going since Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> they're the still fuck? doing this. Um, uh, they're they're going to be like, oh my god, I'm I'm going to have to listen to that, right? Mm. And we've talked about that, and then we've we've talked it through, and then we've said, and then we've realised the core issue with that is I'm the sort of person that would dedicate over three years of my life to doing a podcast about where I watch every single film, television show or mobile game featuring the character actor or in our opinion, lead actor that has been relegated. (laughs) Best actor in universe. (laughs) John Leguizamo. Um, And because of that, uh, I'm the sort of person that's willing to do that. And I found the one other person in the universe equally willing to do something as stupid. Is me. As if, as if people with that sort of synergy that exist in that little corner of all the Venn diagrams are going to disagree on anything. I, I will be very surprised if we ever disagree. Okay. So that all being said, when Zach, I watched this, I watched the movie. We're doing The Counselor this week. Mm. I watched this movie a few days ago. I have a, a, an opinion about this film. Mm. And Zach watched the movie last night. And so today when we jumped on Zoom, we both agreed to not discuss how we felt about this movie at all. Except for that time you texted me in the middle of the movie as you were watching it with your opinion on the movie. Okay, other than that. I know um, what you think. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to hold what I think. And I was yeah, tempted. I, I really I wanted watched, to respond. I watched Arabian Nights with you, mate. And I'm pretty sure I know how you feel about this fucking film. Okay. Anyway, um, I'm going to read... 
the blurb. Mm-hmm. So at this point, our listeners have no idea how we feel about this movie. And let's be honest, they haven't seen it. So I'm going to read the blurb, and I think it gives it a really good... Uh, this is a fairly solid... Give you a fairly solid understanding of the film. So let's go. Mm. The Counselor. The Counselor. <sighs> A sexy and super smooth lawyer played by Michael Fassbender finds himself in over his head when he gets involved in drug drug trafficking and starting a nightclub with a very rich, very horny drug king (laughs) named Javier Bardem. This This drug plot also involves middleman Westray, played by Brad Pitt with long hair and a big hat. During all this drug drama, the counsellor also finds time to propose to Penelope Cruz, his sweet and equally horny fiancé, who doesn't seem to know what is going on with her husband-to-be, but agrees to marry him because he does good sex. Mm. Little does she know, she is now in danger because of her boyfriend's silly drug and nightclub choices. Cameron Diaz is in this movie too. She plays Javier Bardem's mistress. She likes money and big cats. She also loves a really lengthy speech about humanity, nature, and the simplicity of men. The sheer point of her character might be really difficult to understand, but boy, is she sultry. John Leguizamo plays Randy, a man in a blue jumpsuit that has his name on it. He works at the place that the drugs are delivered to at one point. It's not really clear what he does there. Now, Zach, this movie has everything, and yet also has nothing at the same time. Wow. So you, do you want to state your opinion unequivocally? Yeah, for sure. This movie sucks. This so that movie- was the text message I got from Mish in the middle of watching. And, and I, uh, go, you, you do give your okay. opinion and then I want to give my opinion. This, this movie. Okay. So firstly, the cast is stellar. Like it is, stellar. when we decided to do the counselor, we were like, whoa, what a cast. There's Javier Bardem. Cameron Diaz, Brad Pitt, Michael Fassbender, Penelope Cruz, John Leguizamo at a certain point in the movie. Blink and you'll miss him, but he's there. Amazing cast. And I was like, with a cast this good, why have I never heard of this movie? Then I watched the trailer and I was like, what the fuck is this movie even about? You know when you watch a trailer and you're like, oh, it gives away everything. The trailer of this movie, I'm just like, I, don't, I can't follow it. I don't get it. And I was like, okay, let's, let's just watch it. So I sat down and watched the film. It's also, sorry, directed by Ridley Scott. Directed by Ridley Scott. And written by Cormac McCarthy, who, if anyone who doesn't know who Cormac McCarthy is, is like a prolific American novelist. Like... And, and and his books have been adapted into No Country for Old Men, The Road, the road. Yep. Uh, some of the best film adaptations of- 100%. Uh, so I was like, yeah. I don't understand how, why have I not heard of this movie? Why was, why is this movie such a secret, such a Hollywood secret? Mm. But with a cast like that, with a director like that, and a writer like that, the reason is is because it sucks. It is, it is, a, I, and I can, I feel like I can say that about a John Leguizamo film comfortably because he's in it for forty five seconds, mm. forty five seconds with the guy from Breaking Bad, the bald guy from Breaking Bad. I couldn't I work out if it was the bald guy from Breaking Bad or the bald guy from The Shield. Uh, so thank the, you for break, doing the research for me. Breaking Bad. Anyway, it, it's just. I can't explain. I don't understand with all of that. It's like when you get really good ingredients, when it's like you get really delicious ingredients for say a one pot pasta and then you put it all into the pot together and you're like, surely this is going to be great because the ingredients are all great. And then it comes out as a stodgy, really gloopy shit movie. 
So that you is- have said it pretty unequivocally. You've gone to town on that film. And can I tell you now my experience yep. with this film? Because that's fascinating that you say that. Mm-hmm. So Mish messaged me on Wednesday. She tends to watch the films before me because she's more organized. So she messaged me on Wednesday and said, this film sucks. And I was like, okay. Um, and I was, meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm thinking, you know, we'll talk to Ridley Scott. He's very workmanlike, but he can be hit and miss. He, he, I don't think he, he doesn't push other things. He just does his job as a director, you know? Yeah. But I was like, but Cormac McCarthy and this cast, it's, it, I was like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that Mish hates it so much. Um, I was equally surprised that it didn't cut through to the level it did, but you know, I've gone on many a diatribe, some would say a little wanky, a diatribe, um, on my feelings about mid-budget films. Uh, This film came out like 2013, so I was like, it's towards the end of mid-budget films kind of having a place. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it got pushed out. I was like, maybe it got pushed out by like, you know, Hollywood, maybe they they put a move, Marvel movie out that that month. You know, maybe they were like, let's start pushing out to this time of year, you know. Um, so maybe that happened. Uh, I was just, I was confused. And I, and then, and as I sat down, I sat down to watch it. Right. Um, and, and I was like, you know what? I really, we really need to make a rule that, that, uh, it opens on this really like impressive vista of New Mexico. I watched it with my partner and, and Annie goes, um, this is, this is, um, She's like, oh, I love it. It's so beautiful. I'm like, yeah, it's really beautiful. It, and and I said to um and I said to Hanny, I was like, we really need to make it a rule that we don't tell each other what we think of the film because I think it can influence each other. Um, because I'm going to come in quite critical and I'm going to come in fighting to like it. And I would say within three before the titles, um, I was like, well, hot damn, we agree again. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, let's have a... Oh, so you agree with me? I agree with you so heartedly. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to like this film. <laughs> I wanted to... like it ironically. I was like... Um, I was like, I am going to not tell Mish my feelings because I want to um, keep that uh, that fridge on of mystery. I yeah. want Mish to get into the fight and game to tell me how bad it is. Um, but I cannot express to you... The oh. opening scene is a couple... Talking about how, uh, talking about going down on each other. Oh, okay. It opens. So, oh my God. Firstly, I'm so glad. I was, I thought you were going to be like, no, I get it. Like, I see that it's kind of meta. Also, I didn't even know. No, no. I was like, I I could see that fear in your eyes. Like, he's going to go 30 year old like, man on me and I cannot be bothered. Okay, great. (laughs) And honestly, I feel comfortable saying this because yes, in the past we've been like, oh God, what happens if we come across a John Leguizamo film that we don't like and we don't want to, and we love him and we don't want to offend him and blah, blah, blah. I don't think, I surely he agrees. Like, or doesn't give a shit. Like, doesn't care. He's in it for forty-five seconds. He, Fuck off. Either <laughs> he was, either he did one or two days of shooting, yeah, or he did a lot of days of shooting and they cut him. Cut. So either so, he's bitter at the movie or doesn't care about the yeah. movie. I'm happy so, to go this film. If anyone has seen No Country for Old Men, right, or The Road, which are arguably Cormac McCarthy's most famous pieces, brilliant writing. He's an incredible writer. I don't know what happened when he wrote The Counselor. I swear he wrote it on a half chub. 
like the whole thing. I swear he wrote it, the whole thing on a half chub. All wrote it when he was like a 17-year-old boy and the and the cool girl from school wouldn't date him. And it he was literally, just- it literally, people, we went, um, what was the romantic comedy that, that Hot Department, a uh, uh, pyromaniac's love story. Yeah. And there was like a lot of accusations. This feels like a second year acting student wrote a play and put it on. Yeah. I cannot express how much this script feels like a second year acting student writing a play. It feels yeah. so serious. So, oh, it feels it, like a VCA every, short film for two hours. <laughs> every line, every line in this film wants to be the, the line. Mama always said life was like a box of chocolates. <laughs> it wants to be that you had me at hello. Every line in this movie has been written because Cormac wants, wants a famous line. <laughs> Like he wants a line to go and it, nothing lands. It's insane. It, so it does. Like, let's talk about let's the, talk about the opening. Yeah. So we sat down. I'm like, I'm ready for this. It might just be one of those super underrated. Maybe it's like a little bit like highbrow. I don't even know. Let, I was so, so into watching the movie, sat down with my partner to watch it. The opening scene <laughs> is Michael Fassbender and Penelope Cruz in bed together. And they're writhing about in sheets and they're talking about, what they're trying to do, what I'm assuming they're trying to do is show us that they are in love mm-hmm. and that they have this really strong, very passionate relationship. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about sex mm. and they're talking about whatever. It is awful. My vagina shut closed <laughs> and hasn't reopened since. It it made it made me feel physically unwell. <laughs> It was like it, it was. It wasn't like it was like oh, it was super dirty because he was talking about like everything in detail. It was just the way it was done. He's she, what was it? He he said to her, "Tell me something sexy." Yes, and, and then she uh, says, "I want you to put my your hand up my dress." And yeah. then he says, "You're not wearing a dress." And she said, "I know, but you like it when I say that, or something to that effect." Yeah, Is that right. Yep. And then he also said, "You have a luscious pussy." Did he? Yep, he said that Blocked you have a that luscious pussy. Um, it's some of the worst sex talk I've ever seen. She goes, touch me down there. And then she said, I want you to finger fuck me. Mm. Like it was written like I don't. Can I, can women I say. Do, women don't talk like that. Like, and if they do, and then she was like, so also he goes down on her for maybe like 10 <laughs> seconds and she's like already like, you've, she said to him, you've ruined me for other men, which I've never heard a line written by a man harder in my life. <laughs> you've ruined me for other men. Like, it's what the, the fuck? I want to say, I want to say that it is the ultimate in um, like... It's the ultimate, the, the one, number one rule when you learn how to write, the number one rule, it's almost a cliche at this point, is show, don't tell. Show, don't tell. Just 100%. show us, don't tell us. This scene is wall-to-wall people talking about the sex yeah. that they're having in the <laughs> moment. They're like, we are having sex, but they do not stop talking about it, which is, 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 is already, like, uh, not great. But then he goes down on her and she immediately says, you are so good at oral sex, something to that effect. (laughs) And then he immediately says, it's because I've been with a lot of nasty girls or something. It's because I've been with lots of nasty women. Lovely. Show don't tell. Lovely. 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 (laughs) Show don't tell is already an important concept for a first time writer. Show don't tell 
is vitally important if the act that you are showing not telling involves one's mouth because they should not be able to tell oh. the person what they're doing because they're doing the act. Yeah, so she he basically goes down on her for 10 seconds. Not even, raises not, his, not even. Five seconds. She literally raises, is like, oh, you're good at this. Yeah, and then he raises his head after five seconds and says, it's because I've been with really gross, uh, disgusting women all my life. Goes back down on her for five seconds before she, like, explodes in a fucking like orgasmic rage and then he comes back up and then she was just like you've ruined me for other men what this i've what the fuck was there were were there any women on set like penelope cruz just must have been like what the fuck have you got me doing ridley like penelope cruz has done european movies she knows how to do a lot with a little oh yeah and i'll give her that (laughs) to me to me the penelope cruz character was the most vapid character in the whole fucking movie and penelope did probably the best job i want to talk i almost want to like save this i want to do just a chunk of of like talking about there's just this thing I want to do. I want to like talk about all the actors and like yeah. that's the one thing I can extract from this film is 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 Yeah, because honestly, guys, I would love to be able to tell you what happened in this movie, but the blurb covers it. A lawyer, for some reason he's a lawyer, doesn't need to be, but for some reason he's a lawyer. A lawyer Well, I thought I thought it could be fun actually just as an exercise mish before you jump into it. I genuinely think it could be a fun exercise for us to try and work out what happens in this film. Okay. Because- <laughs> Because yeah, I, it's so it's so hard to follow. Because it is so I, hard to follow. I tend to half watch a film if I lose interest, and I tend to miss details, and, and that'll come up. And then I watched it with my partner, and I was talking to her about, it and I was like, I realized she didn't know what was happening, and I thought, you know what? I don't think this movie's very clear as mm. to what's going on. Yeah. Like, did you? Were you on? Uh, were you across it? No. Were you across what was happening? No, but it's not, and it's not in a David Lynch way. No, 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 it's no, not no, like no, that. No, I don't no, want people no. to think like, oh, it just went above their heads. No, fuck off. Like <laughs> that's not what it is. This no. movie, it's like I don't understand what was going through Cormac McCarthy's head when he was writing this because he's such a good writer. Well, it's well, like he I- wrote. It's like he half wrote three stories. Can I can I posit a theory? I don't want to get too wanky here, but my it's his it's his everything else that we're talking about is an adaptation of one of his novels. This was the first time he'd written a screenplay. Oh, I didn't realize that. So this is this is the core to the issue. This is the whole thing. It's an experiment in what happens if you get the best actors. Mm. The one of the best directors who can be a little like half-assed, but one of the best directors. You get some of the the best uh, costume designers, the best cinematographer, and Mm. the best author, and you ask one of those people to do a thing that's not actually their job. (laughs) You just go... (laughs) What happens if you get the best of the best? That's so true. That's like getting you and me, like comedians, on like... uh, I don't know, like in a construction area and asking us to to design the, the outdoor area. <laughs> yes, Writing, we're very good comedians, but we don't know how to lay lawn. <laughs> I am technically a writer, in inverted commas. Mm. I write things. Um, I'm not going to go out there and say that I can write a, a, a book so harrowing and powerful it makes it into the Oprah's Book Club. 
I, I don't, I'm not about to say that I can do that, but there's something about there's some, there's some, something that's happened here where where people have gone. Well, we love no no country for old men. We love um, we love uh, fucking the road. And he's gone. Well, why don't I just? Why don't we cut the middleman? Why don't I write the script? And no one said to him, "Yo, Cormac, man, babe, dude, love that idea. That's Yo, actually Cormac, babe. Cormac, babe, love you, love your work. Thought that scene with the baby in the road was fucked up, bruh. But here's here's the vig, bruh. Here's the here's the issue. Um, even though." A screen, like someone who writes films and someone who writes books, even though the verb is the same, bros, or not the verb, the, a- the, the action, yeah, verb, even though the verb is the same, bros, love you, bros, but even though the verb is the same, actually a different skill set. It's oh it my God, literally that's exactly what it is. You're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it literally is. It's literally like saying to, um, uh, an illustrator going, you are such a good illustrator. You draw such beautiful pictures. When you sit down with a piece of paper, you are the master of that domain and you draw beautiful pictures. I would love for you to be the drafts person on this building I'm making because you could draw the design for the building. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. But those are much better analogies to you and me going out and designing an outdoor area of building. <laughs> because Thank it's, you. it's specifically, they're like, he is a brilliant writer. And it's like, but he, I mean, books are mostly narration, mo- mostly narration. And mm. it's, it's all dialogue. This, this film is all dialogue yeah. and, and all the It's characters- hard. It's really, really hard to, to watch. It needed, I, I did a bit of, I watched Cats the other week. Mm. Oh, I, I was yeah, and I fell into this trap where where with cats I did the same thing, where I kept going. Oh, it needed this. It needed that. It needed this. They should have done this. They should have done that. And I kept coming back. I kept looping back around to, what are you doing with this problem solving? What it needed was to not exist. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. There was no. That's exactly. I was just going to say like there was no like. If only they'd done this. They just needed to not make this film. Yes. <laughs> like, and that's it. If they were going to do it, it needed to be a director that didn't just make the film. Like, I feel like Ridley Scott is, like, a great workman-like director, but he shot the script and he well, needed to sit down with Cormac and go, I right, love mate. you, I respect you, you're a fantastic writer. Yeah. Can we cut the scene where Brad Pitt orders an orange juice? Yeah. <laughs> Because in the thriller about the drug trade, Brad Pitt ordering an orange juice, then making a joke about Oxycontin or something, and then going, oh, just to be clear. Sorry, ordering two. The the scene literally plays out as Brad Pitt goes, I'd love two coffees and an orange juice and an an Oxycontin for him because he's stressed because he might get his head chopped off. Mm. Um, And then then, then she's like, what? He's like, I'm just joking. Just the two coffees. And then there's a beat and he's like, and don't forget the orange juice. I'm not joking. Yeah, this is a that's bit what happened. in the movie. There is a, no, but even that, so this, the orange juice scene could have been cut. Handy. There is a, so Rosie Perez is in this film. Oh my God. The Rose, and, Rosie Perez. Hold on. I, I love her. 
she's she's very big in a lot of early 90s stuff she has a very iconic voice um she did the view for a year <laughs> but like uh, leaving that aside rosie perez is iconic she's uh, she's a she's iconic um and i love her and when i found out she was in this movie i was like oh that's exciting and it also makes sense because her and john leguizamo have done a couple of movies together mm. um and i was like oh i'm so excited to see her her role i'm not joking just didn't need to be there the use of this character so again trying to interpret this film which is very very hard michael fassbender is a lawyer rosie perez is someone that he represents she's in jail he goes in to see her because she asks him to. And then she says to him, can you please help my son out? My son is on the run at the moment for a speeding fine. Um, but also he's a bit of a bad guy, but it's just the speeding fine. Can you go help him out? They have a weird 15-minute conversation about speeding <laughs> and about the cost of a fine for speeding. And he goes, sure, no worries. I'll go and I'll, I'll help him out. And she's like, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. All the while smoking. And then she's also like, oh, I can give you a blowjob if you'd like. And he was like, no, that's fine. Thank you so much. I don't need a blowjob. Then he leaves. Then her son, spoiler alert, gets killed and it wakes her up in bed. And she's like, oh no. And then that's it. Then we don't she's see her again. But she, got actual- she got Leguizamo'd. She got Leguizamo'd, man. <laughs> she got Leguizamo'd. She got Leguizamo'd. But the fact that she was in this film, it was pointless. I understand how excited Ridley Scott probably was when he was like, fuck yeah, I get to work with Rosie Perez. That's fucking sick. But truthfully, that entire role, the mum, because the guy, the son that was on the run, like the speeding guy, he was already a part of the film. We're already was aware he? of who he I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah. So can I, can we do this? Can we, before we go in, because I think people are going to like, if they haven't watched the film, which I recommend you don't. Just don't. don't. It's not even funny. Like with cats, with Room, there are some movies. Room is a brilliant film. Yeah. There are some movies that are so (laughs) bad that they're delicious, that they're so. This movie, it went for two hours and 15 minutes or something. Yeah. And I was so angry at the hour and a half point. Yeah, I, I can't exp- I can't express the white hot rage. I stopped. I, I I started watching it last night. I was like, I want to get an early night. I started watching it and I stopped it twice just to just to give myself twenty. Mm-hmm. I just Go like on. stopped and then played some Lemmings and then <laughs> I um. So I, let's uh, let's break down. Let's break down the plot, like what we understand the plot to be, and and feel free to ask questions because I I'm afraid that people listening are going to be like, oh, they're going all over the place again. When- and they're being, and it's like, no, this is yeah. The blurb oh. I gave you, that wasn't me trying to be. That's literally what I got from the film. Legitimately, so let's really try to break down the full two hours as as we understood it, as as quickly and as tight as we no, can. No, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> we, we'll do some jokes. Like I think it's less about like getting to the point and more about like being funny as we do it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not actually trying to convey the plot. I thought it could be a good oh, like, sorry, comedic game that. for us to I play. Forgot. Sorry, I forgot this is a comedy podcast. I'm so sorry. All right, so we got five minutes. Let's get the point. 
I thought maybe our confusion would create some comedic antics. Okay, fuck. All right, so Michael Fassbender is the protagonist and he is a lawyer who goes by the name The Counselor. So he 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 does count he does the counseling. And and I want to be very clear as well on the counselor layer with this. Um it, you know in those movies where you watch the whole movie and then in the credits you go, "Oh, I just realized they never had a name." Yeah. That, that wow, they were just boy and girl. Wow. Mm. That's really cool. You know that this movie he doesn't have a name. There's one scene where Brad Pitt, I'm jumping ahead and I shouldn't, but Brad Pitt calls him the counselor 15 times. He goes, "Counselor, counselor." <laughs> Just make it really clear that he doesn't have a name. He just goes by the counselor. So he's the counselor. What type of lawyer is he? I I was not no idea. Not clear. Okay. No clear. No idea. No worries. Well, it's never established. The fact that he is a lawyer, I can say this now quite like I'm very sure. The fact that he's a lawyer is not necessary. Like it's not a necessary plot point. It's not necessary for him to be a lawyer. The only thing that justifies him being a lawyer is the Rosie Perez scene. Um, but doesn't but the Rosie didn't... Perez scene? Anyway, these are there's genuine questions here. Let's. So it opens with him um, telling, talking about how good he is at cunnilingus with yeah, and his Cruz. and his girlfriend saying that he's so good shit that he's ruined her for other men and that loves it when he fingers her. So basically trying to establish a, a loving romantic relationship, like an intense bond, purely through him being really good at licking puss. <laughs> like, and then we go to opening titles. Yeah, then opening titles. So, uh, yeah, go, you go. So then we're kind of like introduced to the Javier Bardem character. Who is? Who is a drug king. He's a drug king. Yeah. He does a lot of stuff with drugs. He loves drugs. Um, he wears and women. Gucci. Yep, wears Gucci. He owns big cats. He owns, um, what are they, leopards? Yeah, I think yeah. so. He and owns he big cats and he's he's clearly dating Cameron Diaz. And the scene that we are introduced to them is they're in the desert, the New Mexico desert, um, and they're letting their big cats chase after some rabbits and they're talking about how how awesome it is to watch big cats chase after rabbits. And then she says something along the lines of like, I love to watch my cats kill these rabbits. And Javier Bardem says, don't you think that's a bit cold? And Cameron Diaz says, truth has no temperature. Mm. That's good. That's very it's good. good. It's um, uh, so, so are we clear at this point who she is other than a girlfriend? Yeah, she's just a girlfriend. Okay. She's, at this point, she's just a girlfriend. But then the relationship between the counsellor and Javier Bardem, it, I think they're just mates. They're just like, friends. They're just good mates, hey. And they want to go into business together to start a nightclub. Um, oh, I miss that. Okay, so they want to start a... <laughs> oh. so Javier Bardem um, wants to... Has he into- already bought the diamond at this point? What? Doesn't the... So the counsellor oh, goes... Yeah, the counsellor goes to fucking- Europe to buy yeah, so a the, diamond. Yeah. <laughs> the counsellor, after finger-fucking Penelope Cruz... It then all of a sudden he's in Amsterdam. He goes the, to Amsterdam. Because the, the film had the money to be able to go there, so they yeah. had to shoot a scene But there. not for rewrites, like two weeks of rewrites. Yep. And then has this ridiculously long conversation with a jeweler about diamonds. Not necessary. The point is not necessary. But, so, so he buys the diamond, but that is irrelevant. Okay, I, oh, I just wanted irrelevant. to check. Okay, no, that, cool. that, the, 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 the diamond scene is not necessary, but he goes to buy it. So what we've got gauged from that is he wants to propose to Penelope Cruz. 
Right. Meanwhile, him and Javier Bardem are talking about starting a nightclub together. Um, then Michael Fassbender or the counsellor proposes to Penelope Cruz. I'm so sorry. Before we get to the proposing to Penelope Cruz, this is in the room with all the televisions. There's a what? room with a lot of televisions and that where they talk about how smart Cameron Diaz's character is and Javier yes. Bardem is like, you don't want to date a smart girl, mm. but they're good at kisses. Is yeah. that that scene? Yes. Yes. Uh, were those her TV screens? Have we established at, at any point who she is or is, is it meant to I be I think mysterious? that they were security camera TV screens so that he can see... Right. Full access to everyone in his big Versace mansion. But mm-hmm. then he also has... So it's really funny because the house itself is this big Versace mansion. Lots of like pillars and gold everywhere and big cats. But then for some reason his office is in a, an Instagram influencer room <laughs> that has a big pink feature wall and like white fluffy cushions and stuff. And I, I just looked at that and I'm like... I said, an Instagram influencer bedroom. <laughs> and it, that was his office. Anyway, um, so, yeah, so we've established that Javier Bardem, is, is, his mistress is Cameron Diaz, who and, at and, this and point, all we know of her is that she seems to really like cats and money. She has a big tattoo on her back of leopard print that runs yes. down her entire back and a gold tooth, and she wears lots of eyeliner. And she, she we don't... So, because I don't know who anyone is at this point, but we're meant to not know much more about her at this point. That's right. She's it, meant to be your a impression of, of it. Okay. Yes. However, then there is this really weird scene after Michael Fassbender has proposed to Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz has said yes. All of a sudden, she's now hanging out with Cameron Diaz, like they're friends, um, naked. Yes. They're both they're both naked, but with towels just covering their butts. Yeah, you see um, full side boob. Yeah, yeah, lots of side titties. I reckon that was the one piece of uh, stage direction or like big print in this entire film. It's all dialogue except for that scene. It's like you full see Cameron Diaz. As a side boob. Yeah, side boob. Um, and then they, the, then Penelope Cruz and Cameron Diaz um, go on to have a, a chat that a lot of girls have, which is about like fucking <laughs> and like having lots of sex. Like it was just the most, it was so out of touch. <laughs> but they just have this weird conversation where she's like, tell me about your sex life. And mm. Penelope Cruz is like, I feel don't feel comfortable doing that. And Cameron Diaz says, would you like me to talk about mine? And Penelope's like, okay. And then Cameron Diaz goes on to say how much she likes to have sex. They're another pointless scene unless you want to. Well, and in that scene as well, I want to say that's the scene where we learn that Cameron Diaz knows a lot about diamonds because she looks at her diamond and then says all the things from the other diamond scene. So we get to now a second scene. So we have established at this point, Cameron Diaz likes diamonds and knows about how to grade them. Yeah. But so, that's not important, is it? Well, yeah. So, well, no, not really. Except I think what it's meant to say is that, like, yes, she's really sexy. She loves to have sex and her, look, at, look at her side tit. But also she's a bit smart. But she knows about diamonds. She knows about diamonds. Okay, so we're not meant to know... Okay, cool, 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 What we're meant to know about her is that she likes to fuck and that she knows about diamonds at this point. You are a lot better at following plots than me, so this is very valuable for me. Thank you. Continue. (laughs) No problems. Um, So then after um, Javier Bardem and the counsellor have another chat about starting a nightclub, then Javier... Did they really talk about the nightclub? Yeah, they're they're going to start a nightclub. Oh, my God. (laughs) I thought he was just pontificating on the nature of life. But it's understandable that you didn't follow that part because, again, the fact that they're starting a nightclub is so unimportant. Then 
uh, Michael Fassbender or the counsellor goes to a bar where he meets Brad Pitt, whose name is Westray apparently, but I, mm. I missed that. Um, and Brad Pitt and him make a, a decide to go into some sort of weird drug trade thing. Look, so like- that drug trade was not... A- I thought that was... A- okay. I thought the drug trade happened between Javier Bardem and the counsellor. No, I don't think so. That The first we hear it's about really the drug trade is with Brad Pitt. I think so. Although Javier Bardem and the counsellor talk about drugs. Brad Pitt comes in, he's like, hey... I reckon I can get you some money for for trading some drugs. And at the same time, Michael Fassbender goes, oh, I'm also like at the moment having lots of chats with Javier Bardem. And then Brad Pitt says, ah, yes, Javier Bardem. I know him. We share a taste for exotic women. Sometimes we have threesomes. I did he? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. It was so. Just like, oh, yeah. That's cool. Again, not important. Um, and then I don't really understand what happened. And then they leave. Then they leave. Then, in my opinion, one of the most full-on scenes I've ever seen in my life. In Is this film. before or after Rosie Perez? I don't remember. I think it's. I think. So he goes to meet Rosie Perez. What's this? What's Rosie? So Rosie Perez does have nothing to do with the plot. Nothing. Rosie Perez does not need to be in this film. But so, the son, he lets the son go because he's a counselor. I think he gets so. the son out. Yeah. Because I feel like the son's important to the plot. I, I think so. I think so. Because there's a lot of people that are really mad at the counsellor and I don't know why. But yeah. anyway, you can help That's me. coming. That's coming. Okay. So at this point, let's just be very, very clear. At this point, if, if you were Michael Fassbender, if you were the counsellor, you're about to start a nightclub with your friend and, you, and you, you're considering trading some drugs with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Sorry, That's- sorry. I now understand why there's a scene in an empty nightclub where they're drinking um, mojitos. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense now. Yeah, there you go. I was like, um, why, do they, why, why are we suddenly in, in South Yarra talking? Anyway, so, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> so, sorry, yeah, the Rosie Perez going. stuff happens, which I explained before. You don't really, it's not essential to the plot, but that happens. Okay. Um, it was nice to see Rosie. I hadn't seen her for a while, so that was nice. Um, then I really want to talk about this. Uh, scene that happened between Javier Bardem and Michael Fassbender. I feel like we will. Co- I feel like let's cover that as its own little topic because that yeah. is so f- full on. on. Do you want to do this now? I want to get to the plot. I want to understand what happened, Mish. Okay. So, we'll, no so this scene happens and we talk about the sexies. Is that relevant to the plot? No. Okay. Cool. So we'll talk Great. about that later. Um, then they showed the truck with all the drugs. At some point. So they've someone, we don't really know who, has okay. stuffed a fuckload of cocaine into a, uh, a septic tank. So it's okay. full of poop. Yeah. So a, a big truck full of poop and wheeze. And cocaine. And cocaine. Um, then, Going to Chicago. Yeah. And then a cop, but it's not a cop, but a cop pulls this truck over and they're like, oh, it's, those aren't cops. I don't reckon they're cops. And then the guys in the truck who were driving the drugs get out and shoot the pretend cops. But the shootout is so funny because it's just like waving guns around and shooting. It's kind got of like we saw it in Miami, Miami Vice vibes. vibes. It, had, yeah. it had full on Miami Vice vibes. They've all got like full on guns and they're not like aiming at all. They're just like shooting in the general direction. No one got hit until like five minutes into the shootout. Anyway, then there's one. So, wait, I'm so sorry, but this is legit. I'm trying to figure this out. Before that, 
Mm. Who chops off Rosie Perez's son's head? Because someone, someone chops off. Someone Cameron Diaz is hired. That's coming. You're, you're jumping the gun. Oh, is that later? Was the yeah, head chopped off later? Yeah, after this scene. So, I also think you may have watched an extended version and I may have watched the theatrical cut because I just searched for the first thing that came up on YouTube. So maybe the order was a little different. Maybe. Did you get the car scene though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Oh, um, yeah. So, okay, so <laughs> the cops go on this big shootout. They all shoot each other, right? Then there's one guy left. And then this random thing, this is one of those things that just should have been cut out. A car. And so they're in the middle of the road, like in the in the desert. And then this car comes up and sees him. He's like, oh, no, and goes to turn around because he sees men with cops, with guns. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys with the guns just turns around and shoots the, the guy in the car for no reason. Like, for no reason, just shoots another man. There, it was just like a little moment where they're like, we need some violence. So they put in a shootout. Anyway, meanwhile, Cameron Diaz hires some guy, I don't know, I don't know his name, to kill Rosie Perez's son by beheading him. So he gets fishing line, ties it from one post on the road to another post on the road, so that when he comes, when Rosie Perez's son speeds past on his motorbike, it cuts off his head. And it does. Okay. And he's beheaded. And that happens. That happens. I, I have to say, I have to say very, I want to, in defense of me, mm-hmm. in defense of me not following what was going on, every scene is like 10 minutes long. It's mm-hmm. mostly pontificating about the nature of man yep. and how sexy women are and how good they are at blowjobs and also what it is to be human. <laughs> yep. And then they'll like, it, it's you. if you miss it, you, you'll sort of glaze over. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle, usually at the top of the scene, they'll kind of come in. They'll go, I need you to chop off this guy's head. And they're like, right. And they're like, and you know what? And then it's 10 minutes. So if you miss that one reference to plot, it is hard to follow. Yeah. So Cameron well, 100%, Diaz. I've, I've, I'm lost at that point because after Rosie Perez's son dies, to me, that entire story of Rosie Perez and Rosie Perez's speeding son finishes. The story's done. But then isn't so then there's the scene where where the counselor meets up with Brad Pitt at the hotel. Is that the next scene or is there other scenes to talk about plot? At the wise? hotel. So he meets up with Brad Pitt at you the mean hotel. The airport? At the airport, maybe. And then and then there's a bit where what visually could have been represented with throwing a newspaper at him and going um, so, so visually, visual filmmaking, all they needed was a shot of the counselor walking up to Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt throws him a newspaper and he goes, have you read this? But what happens is he's like, did you read the newspaper this morning? And the counselor goes, no, I did not. What is the news? And then he goes, let me tell you the news. And then he gives him the newspaper. He's like, oh no, Rosie Perez's son got, got his head chopped off. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that happens. But then also oddly as well. Just by reading that newspaper article, Michael Fassbender assumes everything that happened and he just happens to be correct. And then he also like, says, sweet Christ, twice. My yeah, girlfriend he noticed he that. Says, he goes, sweet Christ. And then, then, then Brad Pitt says something and then he goes, sweet Christ. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, then the guy who killed Rosie Perez's son steals the truck full of drugs. So, so okay, so that scene is not relevant Oh, well, I don't it think is. so. And because but, Brad Pitt talks about um, snuff films, but that's more metaphorical. I think it's metaphorical. But you remember the bit where he goes, "No, if you if you buy a snuff film, he goes, so he orders the orange juice and then they go to another part of the hotel lobby and they sit and drink their coffees. And then Brad Pitt goes, you know, if you 
buy a snuff film, you're responsible for that murder by buying the snuff film. And I'm like, oh, this movie thinks it's Steven Soderbergh's 2000 hit Traffic. And <laughs> and then he talks about, he talks in depth about what it, what happens in a snuff film, but that is irrelevant to the plot. Okay, yes, good. Carry on. But I think I also want to talk about the scene that comes, this is learning, this is nothing to do with the plot, but I think it's just purely for us to get to know Cameron Diaz a bit better. Cameron Diaz goes to a Catholic church. And goes to confession. Oh, my God, the confessional. Yeah, so Cameron Diaz goes to confession. She walks just like like saunters in and sits down. So keep in mind, at this point, all we know about women based on this film is that they like to give blowjobs and, and that they, they look sexy when they don't wear any clothes. That's all we know about women. So she wanders into this, like, uh, uh, the confessional. She sits down. She's like, oh, forgive me, Father, whatever. And then he was like, um, what, what can I do for you? Like, whatever. And she's like, oh, by the way, I'm not a Catholic. And he was just like, oh, okay. Um, she's like, I just wanted to talk to somebody about my problems. And he was like, oh, yeah. And then she essentially comes on to him, right? Like, So, yeah, the old trope of the confessional. As a Catholic, uh, I'm a big fan of this trope, although it's always in a confessional box, which is not how they do confessionals anymore. Or ex-Catholic, I should say. Um, that it, It's more trope than it is real. Um, but it kind of just jumps straight to, I feel like, a good confessional scene. There's one in 30 Rock and there's very famously a fantastic confessional scene in uh, season two of... What's the what's the show? Season two of Fleabag. Yes. Oh, that's a good so, Like It's scene. like she took that trope and she fucking did something with it, right? Mm. This one is like... He's like, I watched a movie. I'm a movie writer now. I write movies now. Mm. I'm a Pulitzer Prize winning, winning author. And guess what? Now I write movies. And you know my favorite bit in movies is when they go into confessional and and it becomes a battle of ideas and the person in the confessional booth wins. And that's my favorite scene in movies. And there's a great example of that sort of old school trope in like 30 Rock. Um, There's a scene where uh, he does that. Uh, Alec Baldwin's character does that. But it's like no one told him how to write drama. And no one told him how to write like intention or goals. And she just, it just jumps straight to the end bit. Like yeah. she literally sits down and he goes, well, are you a Catholic? And she's like, well, I don't know. My parents got thrown from a helicopter when I was three. And he's like, okay. And then she's like, have you, you must get so much sexy. And he's like, you got to get out of here. You're not a Catholic. <laughs> And it's like, you missed the five minutes. You missed the five minutes before this bit. He's like, I can't handle this. For a movie that needs a extreme amount of editing. That was this scene that was just, it was just, I don't know why it was in there. Except for us to realise that Cameron Diaz has, uh, is quite manipulative, I suppose. Like that was my guess. Or that she's got quite a, a wily... You know, way about her. I don't fucking know. Anyway. Who knows? Somehow. So that is irrelevant to the plot. So irrelevant. Okay, great. somehow I have no idea how the bald guy from uh, Breaking Bad is involved in this. But somehow the drugs end up in a warehouse where John Leguizamo works. So (laughs) at this point we're we're about. Rosie Perez's son's head chop off people. Yes. They got the truck. They got the truck and got it to John. Like what does this have to do with the killing of the cops? No idea. Okay. No clue. Carry on. Um, so then John Leguizamo works at this warehouse with all these drugs. Yeah. Um, and 
it happens at about their one hour and 55 minute mark of this film. It's yeah. a two hour and 50 minute movie. So I waited an hour and 55 minutes to get John. And I was like, fuck yeah. And we get one scene that goes for about 45 seconds. And in, this is not a joke. I'm not just saying this. It is the best part of the film. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it that. Yeah. John Leguizamo is genuinely, at least he had some, he, with what he was given, which was some bullshit because he just talks about uh, cleaning drugs, I think. I don't even know. <laughs> he somehow manages to make it watchable. Yeah. And he had a really fucking cool, like, boiler suit <laughs> that had his name on it. Because they never say his name, but his name's Randy because it's on his suit, his little boiler suit. So that did have nothing to do with anything. Nothing Who at all. Who killed he the just- cops? Huh? Did the people that killed the cops, were they the people that chopped off Rosie Perez's son's head? Or are they know. different people? I don't know. Okay. I've, All right. No now, idea. people are mad at the counsellor at this point, Mish. Yeah. Why? No why idea. Are they? So, okay, so you don't know. Don't know. I don't know why. So <laughs> okay, good. Penelope this is where I'm, like, confident. I was like, oh, I must have missed something. No. But no, no you don't why. know. No, They're really. No there they is a steal- bit though. There is a bit where he goes to Javier Bardem, and Javier Bardem goes. He was like, "I'm oh, just letting him out as a favor to Rosie Perez's son, um, Rosie Perez," and he was like, "But you didn't know who he was." Hmm. Are they mad about the Rosie Perez's son, and that's why they had to chop off his head? I don't know. Okay, great. Carry on. I genuinely don't know. <laughs> no, not at um, all. Carry on. So at some point, him and Penelope Cruz decide to go to Boise. <laughs> Because they're trying to kill. Yeah. So now what's so happening Michael is Fassbender someone is in trouble. He's in trouble, <laughs> and all of them are in trouble, and they're yes, so mad at them. They're, they're so <laughs> mad. All of a sudden, everyone's so really fucking mad. Everyone, like, because the music gets intense. Yeah. Like, there's a bit. He goes into he goes into Gucci Mansion with with mm. Javier Bardem, and he's like Javier Bardem. <laughs> They're mad at me. And he's like, because you let out Rosie Perez's son. <laughs> and then he goes, but, oh, my God, they, oh, they chopped off his head. Yeah. And like, yeah, so they killed all the cops. And then he's like, <laughs> and he's like, but they're so mad at me. He's like, well, you, he's like, I didn't know who he was. And he's like, well, you know now. <laughs> so it's so mad. So Michael Fassbender calls Penelope Cruz. He's just like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I have no, I, I'm so I'm dumb and hot. I'm a little girl. Yeah, I'm just a little girl and I'm so, I'm so innocent. And Cameron Diaz is so naughty, but I'm so innocent. And, oh, no, what's going on? And he goes, well, let's get out of here. Like, we'll get out of here. She's like, let's go meet in Boise. And, and then he's, he's like, Boise, can we do the scene? Can we just do the scene? <laughs> Blocked it out, but I'll do it. No, no, we'll just, we'll just rip it. I think we can remember it. They say oh, Boise a lot. Oh, you baby, I don't... Baby, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm so confused, baby. Well, we have to get out of here, Penelope Cruz, uh, or else they're going to kill us all. You're right. You're so right. I think the best option for the best option for both of us, baby, is to go to Boise. Boise? Yes, Boise. It's really safe place. No one will find us in Boise. <laughs> Why Boise? I don't know. This is a place that we can stay in Boise. There's a really nice, like, hotel. It's it's safe in Boise. Have you ever been to Boise? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've never been to Boise either. Why do you want to go to Boise? 
Because I've got, I'm on the internet. <laughs> I found it. Anyways, I'm going to catch a plane, a separate plane to you. But I'll see you in Boise, okay? Okay, I'll see you in Boise. <laughs> so good. So meanwhile, <laughs> Javier Bardem has been killed because the people are mad at them. Yes, Javier Bardem. He got yes. shot in the bottom and the head. <laughs> Shut up, you bad dev in the bottom. Oh, they shot him in the bottom. I don't know why they did it. All he was in my head, all Javier Bardem was doing, was opening a nightclub with Michael Fassbender. But they were mad at Javier Bardem and they shot him in the bottom and the head. And then and his then cats his- escape. His wildcats escaped. And, and then for some reason there's like a cut scene real quick to the, the wildcats just walking through some white suburban family's backyard. <laughs> anyway. The wildcats, um, the wildcats. Um, I'll talk about the wildcats. Yeah, Let's get through this minute. plot. All right. Um, so while Penelope cruises at the airport to catch her plane to Boise, mm. two angry men kidnap her. And they punch her a few times. They punch her. That was pretty full on. Yeah. And then they put her in the back of a, a very expensive four-wheel drive. And then they drive off. Brad Pitt, meanwhile, he gets to London. Or does that happen later? Later. It's coming. Okay. Michael Fassbender finds out the Penelope Cruz has been kidnapped. I don't know how, but he finds out. <laughs> because she's not there. She's not around anymore. He's like, uh, yeah, oh, and Penelope. Then- that's right he's like oh he's waiting in boise and she's not there there's one bit there's one bit where um uh, where where they demonstrate that he's been checking at the hotel concierge for a message from penelope cruz for ages and the way that they demonstrate that is a five minute scene where he asks someone else to go to the desk for him and he goes why he's like because i've been asking so much they'll think i'm crazy I thought, God, they could have just had him go up to the hotel concierge desk and go, any messages? And they're like, we told you, no, we'll message you if there are. But mm-hmm. I think he was trying to avoid cliche. The man who did the confessional scene was trying to avoid cliche. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, so, yeah, Michael Fassbender finds out about that. Uh, meanwhile... What happens then? So Brad Pitt oh, Brad goes, goes to, to London. London. He escapes yeah. to London and he becomes unrecognizable because he had long David Spade hair and then he puts it into a, like a top knot. Little and ponytail. a suit. He puts on a suit. And he puts on a suit and he's now unrecognizable. But but at but the one the one vice of every man in, in Cormac McCarthy world is horny. It's Natalie Dortmund. He's <laughs> horny boy. Yeah. So he's at the W, a lovely hotel in, in, in inner London, hiding out from the mad Mexican or South American people who are mad. And then, but Natalie Dormer's there and she's yeah. hot as. The Natalie Dormer's so fucking hot. And he she's sees so her and hot. he's like, oh, I know I'm, I'm hiding from really angry men who want to kill mm. me. But I think now is a really good opportunity at the front desk to hit on Natalie Dormer. So he says to Natalie Dormer, hey, you want to get a drink? And she's like, all right. Mm. But so then, then we, later, they... then we oh, yeah. later see her at a cafe with Cameron Diaz. It's in and... London because it's in front of a tube station. Yeah, so they're in London. And she gives uh, Cameron Diaz some information about where Brad Pitt is because Cameron Diaz is looking for him. Because Cameron Diaz is 
part of the angry people have yeah. we established is this where we are meant to learn this or yeah. no that happened earlier or no, no it happened the- earlier we're aware that she's angry the only thing that makes her different from the angry men is that she's a sexy woman who's angry but she's angry at them and she's killing did she kill javier but why was she listening to her so they're at the <laughs> so they're at this cafe she takes uh she offers natalie dormer money but then when natalie dormer realizes that cameron diaz had her do that nasty prank to get brad pitt's information uh, for bad reasons natalie dormer refuses the money she goes despite, no thank you yeah, no thank you i don't want to be mixed up in bad things not only am i hot but i have morals so so just to be clear all natalie dormer needed to do was know where brad pitt was yeah okay so so why did she well, check so- into the hotel and then fuck brad pitt I don't think they fucked. Oh, did she say no to No, but the, what I find weird is that she gave, I, I believe, I might have gotten this wrong, but she gave Cameron Diaz his, like, hotel room number. But Cameron Diaz just killed him in the middle of the street. <laughs> like, why did you need to know where he was if you just planned on, like, sneaking up behind him and killing and, him? And really upsetting and, like, irresponsible to show a decapitation in the middle of London. He gets decapitated, more or less. Very upsetting. Yeah. Yeah, he gets his um, head taken off by a little machine and everyone machine just kind of stands more. around and watches. And They're at like, one point oh he's God. laughing while he's being strangled. He thinks it's really like... He's like, ah, oh, you got me. Yeah, you got me. Ha, ha, ha. You found me for all the naughty things I did. Anyway, then um, Penelope Cruz is dead. She's yes. in a, She's in a dumpster. Because she get, because he got sent a DVD and in that <laughs> moment he knows yeah. that that DVD is a snuff film. Because of a completely unrelated scene mm. where um, also there's a bit where the boss, the boss man who's mad at him, he talks to him mm. and the boss man goes, I don't really care. I don't really. And then like fucking hell, he does some acting, but I don't know what's going on. And, and you don't know either. And that's good to know that neither of us know. Mm. So she's dead now. Yes. Then what happened? I cannot remember what happened. And then was there more dish- Fassbender has a big snotty cry, like mm-hmm. lots of snot uh, spit. One of those like big ones, like the big dramatic show, uh, get me an Oscar cries. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then the, then all of a sudden the last scene is Cameron Diaz having a champagne with a banker, you know, a very expensive looking, uh, you know, uh, restaurant. And she says, she, she talks about um, how, she likes to watch her cats chase rabbits. Mm-hmm. And then she's going to take the 20 million and buy a diamond and then sell the diamond in Hong Kong. Yep. And then he goes, you're going to Hong Kong to look after you, like, so you don't get killed. And she's like, yep. He's like, but you don't speak the language. I'm like, what? The One of the three official languages of Hong Kong, English. Do a fucking Google Cormac McCarthy, yeah, you fucking idiot. And then, and then the movie's over. And it the movie finishes. just finishes just in finishes much the up. same way that it just starts with a scene that should be in the middle, not the top. It ends with a scene that should yep. be in the middle, not the top. That's it. Okay, I really needed that mission. I'm okay for this podcast to run long. I think everyone will be because I needed to know. It already is. <laughs> oh, YOLO, who cares? I listened to a two- two-hour podcast about uh, Universal Studios ride the other day, so I'm feeling it. Um, I think that now that we have done that, though, there are a few things that we need to talk about. Yes. Uh, One of them is John, obviously, but I think more importantly we should really talk about the car scene. 
We need to talk about the car scene, and there's one, and I would like to talk about the actors, and those are my two requests. Okay. But I think the car scene. Which would you like to talk about first, Mish? Um, I think let's go with um car scene. <laughs> The car scene, Mish. I've been needing to talk about this with you for a while. So at one point during one of Javier Bardem and Michael Fassbender's chats, uh, Javier Bardem explains why he's a little bit scared of his mistress, Cameron Diaz, um, that he like he loves her or whatever, but he's a bit scared of her. And he's like, I'll tell you why. We were driving uh, in an old golf, uh, an abandoned golf course in my yellow Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And at one point we pulled over, and so they show this. This isn't just my, this isn't just Javier Bardem telling the story. It's now become he's a narrator over the scene. So we see and the car driving into the golf course. I want to be very clear at the top of this. It isn't just Javier Bardem explaining everything, but it is Javier Bardem explaining everything. We just also see everything. Yeah. Someone said to Cormac McCarthy, they read the scene. I reckon the scene was originally just a dialogue scene and they said, show, don't tell. Yeah. And he misheard as show and tell. Yeah. <laughs> so go, tell, tell us exactly what happens, Mish. This is, this is all on you. So they are driving in this uh, at nighttime in a yellow Ferrari through a golf course. And Cameron Diaz pulls the car over and she stops and she goes watch this and she takes off her underwear and she (laughs) gives it to Javier Bardem then she gets out of the car goes to the front of the car and starts doing a bit of sexy dancing a little bit of sexy dancing so he's got his headlights on he can see her in this abandoned golf course in the middle of the night she then crawls up onto the hood of the car it's convertible the, the roof is down she then crawls up the windscreen and does a split on the windscreen. Her legs now spanning across the windscreen. No undies on. And then proceeds to fuck the car. Like, fuck the windscreen of the car. And Javier Bardem is explaining this story of Cameron Diaz fucking the windscreen of the car. And he describes her vagina as being like a bottom feeder in an ocean. And that it was absolutely hypnotizing. And he and says petrifying. it was waxed. He says it was waxed. We see her bottom, lots of bottoms. Yeah, lots of bottom. Um, and we see Cameron Diaz fuck a car. She fucks. Well, it could have been. It could have been her body double. In fairness, but like, it was the most full-on thing I've ever seen. It is exactly like that. Just tell us you don't need to show. Let us use imagination. Imagination would have been far better. You did actually, not, they did not need to show us. They didn't need to show us Cameron Diaz fucking a car. Um, and oh. Javier Bardem watching, looking up at it and describing her vagina as being like a bottom feeder. It's literally like he's like, she did the splits and then we see her doing the splits. And then he's like, and then she just rubbed her vagina against the windscreen. Yeah. Um. So I know you just said it, but I've str- so did she? Was there any motivation given to why she rubbed her vagina against the windscreen? No, I think it's left open for interpretation. I'd like to think it's probably got to do something like her being strong and powerful and manipulative and like hypnotizing, and that she's able to get what she wants by using her feminine, by using her bottom feeder puss. And I um I I do have one question, Michelle, because um, again I was only. I was watching and I, I did pick it up, but I, I couldn't quite tell. Um, did she come? 
Yes, she did. Um, the reason we know that she came is because she made lots of noise and quivering things, and then Javier Bardem, Javier Bardem said that she came. So, yeah, because I think that's important, because I was unclear if she came. So there was both a scene where we saw her do a come, mm-hmm. and then afterwards the counsellor said, did she come? Mm-hmm. And then he came. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then and- Javier Bardem said, yes, yes, she came. Yeah, not only that, but then afterwards when she got back in the car, he felt the need to explain that um, he couldn't see through the windscreen because it was all smeary from her puss. Yes, he did say that. Because she came. So my question is, um, Misha, you know, I'm just a boy. Mm. But I remember around the same time a film Blue is the Warmest Colour came out. And yes. um, uh, there was a lot of criticism for that film because there was a lot of scissoring in that film. Mm. And there was a lot of criticism that it was a little bit male gazy. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit about the male gaze. And they were like, that's not really how lesbian sex works. That's not really how female anatomy works. Mm-hmm. Um, could could there be an, a, a strong argument that um, it, that maybe this scene was done with not, not a great deal of consultation with women about how the anatomy of the vagina works and, and whatnot? No, not at all. This was real. So have you done cums on cars? Yeah, I can't come without a car. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's how women work. I think it's the rubbing up and down against a cold uh, glass windscreen, rubbing that against my vagina instantly. As I I was watching it, I was just like, get yours, bitch. (laughs) Um, No, 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 that's not how women come. Um, It was like, and also like this might just be, I don't want to. I don't want to think that I'm not a sexy person, right? Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. I can look. I can get a little bit sexy, okay? Right? You do, you girl. Yeah, fuck yeah. I love. I love a bit getting a little bit sexy. Occasionally, if you're lucky, you might get a thirst trap on Instagram. I know what sexy is. I watched her rub her bare naked puss against that Ferrari, and I just thought it doesn't matter how clean that car is. They could have cleaned it before they went to the golf course. Could have taken it in and gotten a nice like car wash. You're then driving through a golf course, which is dirt, mm. bit of bugs at night, running mm. into some little bugs. She's rubbing her bare naked puss against a windscreen that's probably picked up quite a bit of dirt, bit of bug, bacteria, and she's just rubbing her puss against it all willy-nilly. And that, that was the part I had a big problem with. That I, and that's not how women come. I was <laughs> like, I, I, I had a little bit of a, um, you know how we were talking about like, um, uh, criticism of 90s movies where they're like, um, oh, our women are empowered, look, they do sex like men. Yes. This had this, like, strange thing. It was like, look, my female character is, I don't know, look, she rub her p- puss on car. <laughs> <laughs> Like it was like, I was like, what are you trying to say, Cormac I think it was McCarthy? this kind of weird, like, look how confronting women's sexuality can be if you let them do what they want. It's like women don't want that. I'm not kink shaming. If you if you get off on rubbing your puss against expensive cars, fucking do you, girl, and I'm I'm rap for you. But it's a it's not like it does give people the 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 thought that women like to do that. That <laughs> women like to rub their bare naked puss on glass while men look up at it because that makes them come. You know? 
Oh, my Lord. What anyway, a scene. That was, I, I just uh, wanted to get that off my chest so I could talk about it. Anyone is, I'm sure you could find it on Pornhub or something. Like, I'm sure it's out there. If you want to watch the car scene, go for it. It's as, it is as full on as Zach and I have just said it was. Zach, it is, talk about the actors. What did you want to say about the actors? I just wanted to say that, like, like, something I've really got from this podcast, one thing I've gained from this podcast, and this is uh, the one thing I've really gained from this podcast is a sense that, like, um, you should try and draw something good out of every movie. And I'm sure we'll talk to this when we give our Leguizamo rating. Mm-hmm. But since Leguizamo, the, the possibility that he was listening was like, let, this isn't just a podcast where we shit on old films. You know, let's let's really like go back to 1993. Let's go back to its social mores and let's engage with the film. Um, but also just as a, as, a, as a comedian, as a writer, as a performer, what can I learn from this film? If it's no good, what can I learn? How can I be better? Um, and I think the one thing I can gather from this film is like what happens when you get, there are actors in this film. We've seen Leguizamo tackle bad writing mm-hmm. uh, or challenging writing mm-hmm. um, because he's often, but there are actors in this movie that I don't think have ever been a ba- in a bad movie or in a badly written movie. Like Michael Fassbender kind of came out all guns blazing with with uh, like hunger i think and he hasn't done a lot of movies that are badly written mm. um and there's sort of like you know a, a good actor with good writing great but the who's who does well from kind of from the opening scene i was like mm. i'm just gonna try to get through this movie by going who 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 is gonna do well with the bad writing and who's gonna mm. do badly with the bad writing or like and and i was just i was interested and i would love to just kind of roughly go through some of the actors and, and just sort of do the MVPs and like who you thought pulled sure. it off and who you thought maybe um, like what worked and what didn't. If you were ever tasked with directing a Cormac McCarthy written film mm. or maybe Fantastic Beasts 3, mm. um, that sort of kind of tripe. Yeah. <laughs> how would you tackle said tripe in casting? And that's why who were the MVPs of this film? Um, so despite the being 45 seconds, John really did, he's he's very good at doing bad writing. He gets a lot of films that have a lot of shit writing. (laughs) Uh, So I think John did good. Um, As did his scene partner, the the guy with, uh, from, from Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad did a great job. They just like. Um, In my opinion, the MVP of this was Penelope Cruz. 100%. I'm so excited that you were like, oh, oh yeah. 100%. I think, I think Penelope Cruz was given your typical, like your absolutely typical vapid female role in a movie. That uh, her role was to be the protagonist's fiance, the perfect angel that has her head chopped off. Yes, the perfect little angel. Not only is she sweet, the kind of person you can take home to mum, probably goes to church, but she also likes it when you finger fuck her really hard. And you've and she thinks that you're the best ever at licking puss, that kind of character. Um, and I think considering how little um, depth her character had, it's almost like she didn't try too hard to give it much else. She was just like, "Well, fuck, all right, this is, this is the role. This this movie's paying me quite a bit. <laughs> I guess I'll just play that role." I think you, that- you never know, and you never know. Like it, I could have been mis- like maybe. Mm. It's and I like McCarthy. to think I like to think um, her and Javier Bardem are probably quite good mates. They both did um, uh, Vicky Cristina Barcelona together, didn't they? They've done a few. Yeah, so they, I like yeah. to think that after a script reading, they just went a sign one off. Fuck, man, this sucks. <laughs> like, 
Oh, fuck. What have we done? Oh, no. Oh, what fuck you- it. And then Penelope Cruz was just like, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do a good job for my mate Ridley. <laughs> and then just like, and then just pretend this never happened. Because luckily for me, Penelope Cruz, I'm not going to be the person who's remembered for doing As- this shitty film because I'm just playing another vapid female angel likes to fuck character. Which is her kind of, uh, like, yeah. Uh, Yeah, because I was watching her. I was like, she's great. And I was like, I'm really excited for Brad Pitt because Brad Pitt has a similar sort of approach where he doesn't put too much weight on the text. Because, like, I think that um, Michael Fassbender was really, like, acting. You know what I mean? He was really like. Oh, this was like, I'm going to do, I've got a Ridley Scott film. And he was like, he was give, he was giving the text intention that it didn't have. Yeah. And I think, bless him, I think he's he is a great actor. But I think it kind of was like because you're giving it intention, I'm seeing even more how it doesn't have intention because mm-hmm. you're like acting it. I'm like, no, this bad script. Yeah. Um, Javier Bardem, I think, was just like, look, if you let me wear fun clothes and give me a funny haircut, I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> But I was really excited for Brad Pitt. But the problem, I think, with Brad Pitt was he was a little too nonchalant. Yeah. And and it was like you could feel him, like, trying to make or, like, tr- trying to make. Like, he was just like, oh, bloody hell. Get over here and do s- let's deal some druggies, friend. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you are fighting this text a little too much. Yeah. Whereas Penelope I could see Cruz- his disdain. <laughs> yeah, or like his real attempt to make it feel low key. Yeah. Whereas I fully agree. Penelope Cruz made the text feel legit. And she did like little flourishes of acting when she wasn't talking. Like mm. she did lots of reacting and lots of like stuff around the text that she was the only one that made the script feel like it was working for her. She like, mm. and then you think that's her second language. My God, Penelope Cruz. Mm. MVP, I think we need to put her on. I think we need to start some sort of MVP list and put her on it. Absolutely. She's great. I don't think she's one of those actresses or actors I haven't given much credit to, I suppose. I need to give her, after watching that, it's like, fuck, man, give that, give her 50 Oscars. Give her everything. Give her everything. She deserves everything. Cancel all other women. (laughs) Give it all to Penelope. Fucking Jesus. I want to start, I want to start making like a cast list of like the perfect movie, like Leguizamo's in the, it's Leguizamo's. Well, I think that's what Ridley did with this movie. I think Ridley's like, I'm just going to make the movie with all the best, the best of the best. And I don't care. Sometimes it fucking crashes and burns. It's happened before. Do you remember when Love Actually came out? No, not Love Actually. Do you remember the movie Parashatem? Oh, yeah, I didn't watch it, but yeah. yeah oh, I fuck, it was, it. it was good. I haven't watched that movie in ages, but it started that series. Oh, and Love Actually was definitely up there as well. It started that series of films that came out where there's like 20 different little stories that all somehow kind of come together at the end. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Yeah, That's the one yeah. I was like, that had that cast of like, we've got Julia Roberts. We've got Ashton Kutcher. We've got Taylor Swift. Like, and then it's just the worst movie in the world. Um. This was very much like that. It's like, let's just get the best actors. It's on the topic of Brad Pitt, very Moneyball cast. Not even Moneyball cast. It's very like, um, uh, very like um, Chicago Bulls mid to late 90s. It's like, let's just get the best of the best. But also like a real vibe of um, the problem with the Valentine's Day movies is it's like, there's almost not a sense of who they're, it's like, 
get me the biggest names you can and then we'll sit down. It's like we need we need 12 women and we need 11 men. Go. Never that ratio, but go on. <laughs> For romantic comedies, it's usually pretty 50-50. Like yeah. that's one of the few genre, few genres <laughs> that I'll um, <laughs> go, go, go get us the most famous people you can. And it's like the casting agents, there's no like... Like they build the ensemble and then they go, all right, this, and then if, if it's like, oh, we couldn't get, um, we couldn't get, uh, I don't know, like Leonardo DiCaprio, he said no, but Ashton Kutcher's available. And then they're like, okay, cool. But it's like, and then they sit down and they cast it. And that's how you end up with mm. in Valentine's Day or one of them, there's a, there's like a romance between Zac Efron and Michelle Pfeiffer which I know we wouldn't comment on it if it was the other way, but Zac Efron, I think, was 12 when he made that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and it's like, I just think it's because they were like, and that leaves us with uh, Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer and Zac Efron. <laughs> I very much had that kind of feel. And because it's just like Brad Pitt's character is not, was not written for Brad Pitt. Like he says, You don't bloody. think so. He says bloody. He's like. Oh, bloody hell. And it's like, I think this character's meant to be an old British man and no one's done a rewrite. <laughs> I genuinely think this is meant to be an oh, old British man. Sweet Christ. <laughs> I think that they've put Brad Pitt in the movie. He's probably produced it and they've gone. And then someone's gone to Ridley Scott, the man who famously just didn't change the gravity on Mars for The Martian. And they said, hey, this part was written for a British man. Should we at least get rid of him saying, oh, bloody hell? And he's gone, no, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Zach, all of this being said, Mm -hmm. let's talk Leguizamo scores, shall we? Yeah. Do you want me Um, to go first or do you want to go first? Um, I'll go first so that I'm yeah, not influenced by yours, listeners out there. I'm going to write mine down. I so am too I right now. So okay. I so I think, I don't know if it's been very clear to you guys. If you've made it this far through to our podcast, what the fuck? What but, are you doing? Um, I don't know how clear I, I've made it, but let me just reiterate. I didn't like this movie. <laughs> like I didn't enjoy it. Um, the writing was not good. The, 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 uh, the, the acting was, uh, it was just hard to watch. But it had Rosie Perez in it. And it had John Leguizamo in it. And I can say that it was shot quite well. Like the DOP there was did a good job, whoever the DOP job. is. We need to give them credit, absolutely. Yeah, shout out to the DOP for sure. And there were some really beautiful long shots of New Mexico, <laughs> um, which I really liked as well. Um, so based solely on John Leguizamo doing a solid 45 seconds, Rosie Perez smashing it out of the ballpark despite the fact her character was absolutely redundant, unnecessary and silly. And because of the pretty New Mexico surroundings, I'm giving this one and a half Leguizamos. Now, Mish, I wrote down my score. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll attest to that. Great. Okay. So my, my review, um, we talked last week, I believe about how we're never going to give less than three stars or three Leguizamos because Leguizamos right. in the movie. And then the sweet blessing of 45 seconds of Leguizamo freed us of those shackles. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank uh, you, John. Thank you, John, for not being in this movie too much because that would have made this... Although a lot of my favourite actors were in this movie. Um, They don't have podcasts, though. Fuck off. (laughs) 
I want to say that you can, one can get a lot of joy from a bad film. Obviously, people talk about The Room. They talk about Cats. Um, but even a mediocre film can be really enjoyable. We've learned that with a few of these ones. There's been a... Like, there's... I had a lot of fun with Whispers in the Dark. There was something oh. so fun. Oh, one of my favourites that we've watched. Genuinely. 100%. Yeah. Genuinely, like it's brought me back to the days of VHS and 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 of like admirable failures of like, mm-hmm. but not even admirable. Like, what? Why the sh- the guy from Mash cannot play a murderer, and why have you cast him? And why are you not asking him to do? Anyway, movies that are bad can be enjoyable. Movies that are mediocre can be enjoyable in the right frame of mind. But I'll tell you what is pretty unforgivable is movies that are worthy that are arrogant movies that think they're going to be great movies that are like you know what it's Cormac McCarthy like movies that are like I'm a good worthy important film with a good cast and I reckon we might win Oscars those movies can't really be bad a movie that's trying to be brilliant and fails because of like mistakes sure Mm. A movie that's like, this is going to be brilliant because we've got brilliant people. And, and we've, that- got, we've, got, we've got the rights to Cameron Diaz's side tit. We're gonna, <laughs> this movie's going to be fucking sick. This movie, is, not we're going to try to be brilliant. This movie is going to be brilliant because Because of, look at me. <laughs> because look at me. Look at who is doing this movie. Yeah. And no one sat down and gone, the script isn't there. Could we just team him up? with a strong female screenwriter to help him shape this script. Mm. And because of that, and because Leguizamo is only in it for 45 minutes, for seconds, he's not in it enough. I give this film one and a half Leguizamos. Oh, look at us, Zach. We're so in sync. <laughs> um, I also just want to say as well that um, I think that with a lot of these actors, there's a very, 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 very high chance that they didn't read this script. Famously, um, George Clooney signed on to Batman and Robin without, without reading, reading the script. The script. Wow. Yeah, um, because I think he's fairly good uh, mates with Josh Schumacher who directed it. And it was a Batman film. And he was like, oh, fuck yeah. So he signed on to Batman and Robin without reading the script. And he's famously come out and said... Um, I will uh, that that taught me to always read a script, even if you know the people, even if you know that you'll have a good time on the set, even if it's got a big name to it. Always read the script. And I, if you're listening, Brad Pitt, Michael Fassbender, Javier Bardem, Penelope, um, uh, Penelope, you, you should you yeah, Penelope, right to you do can do film. it. You, you smashed it. Good, good job. <laughs> good for you, babe. Cameron Diaz, all of you guys. Don't you don't just read the script next time. Anyway, Zach, do we have reviews? Are you reading reviews today? Yeah, we do. No, no, you told me not to do that. You said, <laughs> Zach, you're not allowed to read reviews. Yeah, I tried asking the question casually, like, hey, Zach, are you going to read reviews today to try and spark in you that you're not reading reviews today? Because some of the answers we got on Instagram to a question that you asked are really funny and worthy of reading out on our pod. Um, so, uh, I reckon you should pull this up as well and we'll back and forth a little bit. Cause like, honestly, if people are here with us at the hour and a half mark, they're going to, they're going to listen through. We don't need to rush this one. Um, but I, uh, 
Uh, we so the other day, based off Michael Shenanza, me saying Michael Shenanza as a podcast idea, I, I threw out a few other options and popped it on our Instagram at Mission Zach, and um, and just sort of threw out some options of other podcasts. So once the three years is up on this, and once we've done uh, recaps with Mission Zach season two, um, through to ten s- Survivor. <laughs> Uh, Survivor Season 1 and Recaps with Mission Zach Season 3, Australian Idol Season 1. Um, with a, with a, with an extra special World Idol 2003. Oh, can we still do that? Anyway, I messaged yeah, did I yeah, yeah, I messaged you the other week about World yeah, Idol. Yeah, we can still do that. Once we've done all that, what the next podcast is. So I've posted Mission Zach's Michael Shenanza. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mission Zach's Miriam Margle, yes. That which is good. about Miriam Margulies. And Mission Zach's, please, mer- please, sir, may I have some more about M-O-O-R-E, Julianne Moore, yeah. who is one of my favorite actors. Um, and then, uh, and then I said, brainstorming some ideas. Do people have any other ideas? Um, so some of you guys left some really, really good ideas. And I just, there were a couple that I genuinely made sound like laughing sound when I read them. I think sure, my sure. favorite. Yeah. 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 You go. One of my favorite is from Dijon Sammy and he wrote, what about Mission Zach's Gary Old Mania? <laughs> it's clever. Um, I'm a big fan of Leguizamo Rama Rama. That's which is, so good. Which is where we listen back <laughs> to and that? review Leguizamo Rama. That's from Die underscore Bro. That's sick. Um, Liv Berry wrote One Pod Pastorama. <laughs> That's very good. That's very good, Liv. Uh, um, Mish Witchrup wrote, stop posting with this background colour. You're fucking up the zen of our Instagram feed. Do we need to have a meeting? <laughs> I go, Every time you post something, I'm really happy because they're always really funny posts and you're very funny and I love you, but you, you're, you're fucking with the fucking look I of my Instagram I just drift down. I drift from time to time. Mish, of course, runs this account. Um, and then I, I'll just like, I'll just out of nowhere with no warning, just be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> just post a random thing. So I posted this, but I always do it. I just copy pasted one of the colors. Yeah. Um, and then I just post off that one color. But then I loved someone defended me and they said they give, um, they're praising my, uh, they're praising my um, Tetris aesthetic. Cause I've created of they like love a Tetris you. shape. Of course they love you. Anyway, um, uh, Sheridan seven said Catherine O'Hara Rama. I love this. Six Caleb said, Mission Zach's, I'm going to fuck up how to pronounce this, but I do love this. Mission Zach's Patton Oswaltopoulos. <laughs> Patton Oswaltopoulos. Very good. I like the Topolis. Uh, we've got, uh, oh God, what else do we have? That Someone just said, do Jeff Goldblum. That would be fun. Um, Christopher Walkenthon. Christopher Walkenthon. Mm-hmm. That's good. Oh, very, very good. Getting Deborah Messi with Zach and Mish. Um, oh, my God, it's Sandy B about Sandra Bullock. Mm. Um, I also decided if I was to do a podcast on any other actor, like for real, for real, I would do Emma Thompson. Oh, she is a great choice. Great choice. Great choice. She is a really good choice. I would do Miriam Margulies. So this All is right. where we part ways, Mish. Yeah, that's fine. You off to do your Emma Thompson and me to do my Miriam Margulies. There's this really great um, interview on Graham Norton with Miriam Margulies and Will I Am. 
and it's very oh, funny. I love it. I love that. Inter- that is one of my yeah. favorite interviews of it's all time. It's the most time. charming, beautiful thing just I've ever seen. Just the way they just fall in love and she yeah. says the wrong thing. She says the wrong things and then he, like, brushes it off and then oh. they just see eye to eye and they are, it's just oh. beautiful. It's beautiful. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> That's like if you ever need a little cheer up in this day and age. Anyway... We've Zach. popped into hour two of the pod. We want to just yeah, thank everyone for much. sticking with us for oh, our... Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, don't watch this movie. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. Look up the car scene on Pornhub if you want to, but it's gross. Um, just don't watch really it. Gross. It's really Just don't bad. watch it. Watch, watch any... Genuinely, pick any person associated with this film. Yep. Anyone, including Cormac McCarthy. Hmm. And watch anything else they've done. Watch Blade Runner. Watch The Road. Watch Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Watch Abre something los ojos. else. <laughs> watch Abre los ojos. Yeah, watch. anything else. <laughs> watch, um, watch Hunger. Watch 12 yeah. Years a Slave. Watch the only thing I liked Steve about Jobs. watching this movie, the only thing I liked about watching this movie is knowing I never have to watch it again, which is great. It was rough. It was rough. It was All right. rough. I think that that's enough. <laughs> Mish, thank you so much. And of course, do you want to promote? Do you want to promote your play? I'm not. I've, I haven't got a play. Oh, no. We're in lockdown. I haven't written a play. Thanks for reminding me <laughs> that I haven't written a, another fucking play. I just thought it'd be funny for you to promote the, your first play, like it was happening, but it's not. <laughs> No, it's not. All right, and um, I just want to promote. I, do ne- I genuinely do need to take a piss, though, which means it's time for this to end. Ba-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.